Well, good evening, and Merry Christmas. It's so great to see everyone. I think uh, we're all having a good time, and uh, David, I think your song was excellent, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure you're going to be here for many more weeks to come. That's great. Uh, tonight, it's my pleasure to tell you the true meaning of Christmas, and I want to share with you tonight two love stories. Uh, really, that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is the greatest love story that has ever been told. It's actually a sacred romance. And it reveals to each and every one of us the true purpose, the meaning of our lives. And so I want to read two passages with you, first of all. Um, the first one is in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read at verse 18. So if you have your Bible, you can follow along. If not, fine, just listen. It's only a few verses. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, in another version it says he was a just man, and he did not want to expose her publicly to a disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife, because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And I want to read also in the Gospel of John, in chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes on him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe on him is condemned already, because they have not believed on the name of God's one and only Son. Tonight I want to tell you the greatest love story ever told.
And I'm gonna tell it to you in two parts. The birth of Jesus Christ. We read in Matthew chapter one about Mary and Joseph. Mary was just an ordinary young Jewish woman. And she lived in this town called Nazareth, dating back to possibly as early as 6 BC. Nazareth was a, a small town made up of a lot of peasants. There was about 1,600 people, I am told, that lived in that town. They were poor, and they just eked out a living from the land and through agriculture. Mary was very young. You know, the scholars tell us that Mary was possibly as young as 15 to 17 years old. But she had something special, even though she was an ordinary person. Just a, a sinner like you and I, but she loved God. And she was faithful to God. And she wanted to serve God. She had fidelity to the Lord. She was pure. She was a virgin, a vessel that was ready to be used by God for possibly one of the most important jobs in history, to become the mother of God's one and only son to come into the world the Lord Jesus. You know, in Isaiah chapter seven and verse 14, God gave a sign to the world through the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Christ came. Everybody was looking for, how will we know who the Messiah is? What sign will there be? And God said to Isaiah, I will give you a sign. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, you can read about it. The virgin will conceive and she will bear a son. And his name was to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mary was betrothed. We would call it engaged to be married, but it was very different than that. Because today in, in our culture, if somebody's in, whoops, sorry. Sorry about that. I'll step over here. Today in our culture, if somebody's engaged to be married, they could break it off. And it really wouldn't be that big of a deal. But this was a big deal in Jewish culture. Because to be trothed was to be in a legally binding commitment. And in their culture, once they had been betrothed, that was a period of purity. And if anything happens in that period, they would actually have to go through the legal proceedings of a divorce. Mary was betrothed, engaged to Joseph. Now Joseph comes on the scene and he is an older gentleman. The scholars tell us that possibly he would have been in his mid-30s. And history says that he was a widower. 
And he was in love with this beautiful young girl, Mary. So pure, so innocent, so beautiful, and Joseph was completely in love with Mary. Joseph was a just man. He was a man that feared God. He was a man that followed the Old Testament law and the prophets, and he followed it as closely as he could. He was actually looking for the Messiah, as every Jewish couple would have been looking for the Messiah. And every Jewish woman's dream was to be the mother of the Messiah. Mary couldn't have even imagined that it was going to be her. Joseph was a carpenter, possibly a builder. The word is tecton, it means a builder or a maker, maybe even working with wood or stone. And he worked hard every day. He feared God and he was looking for Messiah. Joseph was a son of David, which means he came down through the line of the lineage from Abraham all the way right down through, um, and he was a man that met the criteria uh, in the genealogy. So that's Joseph and Mary. One day a crisis came, and I want to tell you about this crisis. I don't know if you could even imagine what this would be like. And today I, I read this and I thought, I wonder what this would have been like. So one day God said, Gabriel, go to Nazareth. The word of God says that God literally sent Gabriel to Nazareth. And so the angel Gabriel goes to Nazareth. And here's this young girl, Mary, and she's going about her daily activities and all of a sudden, an angel stands before her, and naturally, she's afraid. And the angel says to her, fear not, Mary, you are going to conceive in your womb, and you are going to have a son. Mary is completely astounded with this. And she looks at the angel, and the angel says, you are highly favored. You will bear Emmanuel. You will be the mother of Messiah, and he shall be called the son of the highest. He will sit on his throne, the son, the greater son of David, and his kingdom will be forever. There will be no end to his kingdom. Mary was absolutely astounded by this, but... She thought about it and she said, let it be according to your word. I will be the servant of the Lord. This is a critical point. Do you know why Jesus had to be born of a virgin? Because Jesus is sinless. He is without sin. And the seed of the man carries the natural sin of humanity. And way back in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter three, God made a promise. The seed of the woman will bruise the serpent's head. It will crush Satan. Jesus had to be born of a virgin in order for him not to be contaminated with the sin nature. And that's exactly what happened. Folks, this means that he is uniquely qualified to be our savior 
because he had no sin of his own. He came by way of a virgin. There was three things about Jesus Christ that could never be said about any other man that ever lived. Any other religious leader, any other person, no one can claim these three things that are unique about Jesus. Number one, he was born of a virgin. Never happened before and will never happen again. Number two, he's the only person that ever walked on this earth and never sinned, couldn't sin. In him, there was no sin nature. And number three, he's the only person that predicted in great detail his death, burial, and resurrection, and then carried it out. And after resurrection, met the people that he promised this would happen to. Those three things could never be said about any other person. So Mary is thinking about all of this, and she's thinking, what's Joseph gonna think? How am I gonna explain this to Joseph? And she's probably thinking, oh no, um, what are my people gonna think? I, I can't cover this up. How is this, are they gonna believe me? I am sure that Mary was completely struggling with how on earth she would ever deal with this. But she said, let it be according to your word. Now, could you imagine going to Joseph? Joseph, you'll never believe what happened to me today. And he's like, what, 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 Mary? What, is everything okay? No, 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 everything's not okay. I'm going to have a child. And, and Joseph is probably thinking, with who? And Mary said, no, it's not like that. The Holy Spirit is, has, has conceived inside of me, and I'm going to have God's son. I am sure that Joseph was, was completely confused in his mind. You just imagine what this would have been like. And Mary says immediately, I got to get out of here. I gotta depart to the hill country of Judea. And, and, and Joseph is probably thinking, well, why, why does she have to go so soon? And she takes off. And she's gone for three months. And she visits Elizabeth. And she tells Elizabeth the story and Elizabeth is just overjoyed. So Joseph is back in Nazareth and he's thinking, okay, what am I gonna do about this? What happens when everybody in the town sees that, that Mary's pregnant? They're gonna wanna stone her. This is against the law. She's gonna have to be put to death. This is awful. What, what, how can I possibly explain this? What am I gonna do? And he decides, I'm going to divorce her. He says, I'm gonna just put her away because I have to follow the law. I'm going to divorce her. And as he thought about this, one night, God spoke to him in a dream. Joseph is torn. He's got humiliation. How, like, this is an awful thing. I, I, I'm engaged, I'm betrothed to this beautiful virgin woman, and all of a sudden, she's, She's pregnant and, and she's got a child coming and it's not mine and how can I explain this? And God spoke to Joseph in a dream. And the angel of the Lord said, Joseph, fear not. 
Take Mary to be your wife. That which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. And she is going to have a son, Emmanuel. And he's going to be the son of the highest. And he is going to reign forever. And Joseph, you're going to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You're going to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1 and verse 21. This, folks, is the story of Christmas. So the birth of Jesus. So if you were to read in Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 7, just about that time, a decree goes out from Caesar Augustus. He's the sovereign ruler of the world. And he says, everyone's got to go to the town of their ancestry. And, and Joseph and Mary are thinking, well, Mary is great with child. Come on, I don't want... It's a command. You've got to go. So Joseph and Mary, they, they pack up with their donkey and they ride 70 miles to Bethlehem, nine months pregnant on a donkey. Imagine. And they're going through mountainous terrain. And all the way, Mary and Joseph are thinking, why do we have to do this? Like, what? This is ridiculous. I think that we get like that sometimes in our lives. Why do I got to go through this? Why this? Why me? Why now? Folks, all of this was to fulfill the prophecy of the word of God in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Because Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. And it had to be Bethlehem of Judah. Out of thee, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall come forth he which shall be ruler in my people. That's what it says in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. The one who is of eternity, the ancient of days, God's son came to be born in Bethlehem. And that's why Mary and Joseph had to get on a donkey and travel those 70 miles to get to Bethlehem. So when they got to Bethlehem, everything was prepared for them, right? Welcome to the hotel can't afford you. <laughs> I had to put that in there. So they get to Bethlehem, and there's no room in the inn. Everybody else has come to Bethlehem. And they had to do their taxation and their registration. And they get there, and there's no room in the inn. And I could just imagine what this was like. They said, well, you know, there's a cave out there. Uh, just right across that field, there's, uh, there's some sheep and donkeys and, and cows in there. You could probably go in there. And Mary and Joseph make their way across that field to the cave. You can visit those caves today. Those of us that have been to Israel can actually go right in and see those caves where I believe the Messiah was actually born. And so Mary and Joseph, they go into that cave and Mary brings forth her firstborn child. And she takes that baby up and she wraps him in swaddling clothes in bands of linen and the Messiah has come into the world. 
Outside, there's a bright, shining star. And there's shepherds in the field. And the Lord appeared. And the glory of the Lord, the angel, shone round about these shepherds in the field as they kept their flock. And there was an announcement made. This is the true meaning of Christmas. The angel said, I bring you good news. This is our word today, the gospel. Good news, great tidings, great joy, which are to all people right across the entire world of all time, good news. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, when we think of Mary and Joseph, we think of a, a beautiful, romantic story of this beautiful couple that God worked this incredible miracle for his own purposes and their lives. But folks, I have to tell you something. The story of Christmas is so much bigger than that. The story of Christmas is so much more meaningful and has ripples through every time of every age, every country, every nation, every tribe of everybody that's ever lived. This story has affected you and it's affected me. And so tonight, I want to tell you the second love story, which is really the best. This is the best love story of all. You know, about this time of year, if I could just speak honestly to your heart, you know, we go through all the motions, we have the presents, we have the family meals, we have this great time of get-together, and we try to forget our, our problems we try to forget our issues in life. Maybe even we, we bury some things that are bothering us. And some people uh, get into overindulging in things to just try to maybe bury the issues and the problems of life. Because for many people in the world, life is really empty. For many people of the world, they feel something's missing. And I just want to say this, you might be here tonight and you just might be one of those people that feel something is not quite right. There's something missing. There's something a little bit empty in your life. Well, could I tell you tonight what that is? It is the greatest romance story of the God of the universe that loves you that wants to have a personal relationship with you and I and every other person in the entire world that was created in the image of God and has a conscience and has morality and understands that there's something more than just this life, than just flesh and time. Because every single one of us are souls. And we, oh, we have been loved of God. And this is the greatest love story. It's the true meaning of Christmas. This is the purpose why God sent his son into the world. 
and it is to save you and I from our sins. Let me tell you the greatest love story of all time. We, we, me, you, you, you. The entire world has been loved by God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. My friend, tonight, God wants to have a personal relationship with you. God launched the greatest rescue mission of all time when he came into this world to save you. Yes, the greatest rescue mission of all time. Folks, we were stolen. I don't know if you realize this. Maybe you haven't thought about this, but we were stolen. We were deceived by Satan. We were fallen into sin. We were cursed by sin. And we were lost. Lost to God. We actually became enemies of God. I, I don't know if you realize that or not, but every time we commit sin, we actually sin against God. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21 says, we were enemies and we were alienated from God by our wicked works. That's what God says in Colossians 1 and 21. Worse than that, we actually turned our backs on God. We didn't even realize that the way we were going in our life, we were turning our backs on God. Isaiah 53 and 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to our own way, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Folks, our lives are ruined. We have been struck by arrows of sin. And in Ephesians chapter two and one, it says that we are actually spiritually dead. But, but God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins and in trespasses before God, alienated, we were separated. We didn't even have a relationship with God. And at that time, God sent his only son into the world to save you and I from our sins. You know what God did first? He sent messengers. If we go back in history, all the prophets, they're messengers, and they're sending messages, and they're writing the prophets, and we're not listening. Finally, God says, last of all, I will send my son. Mark chapter 12, a parable that Jesus spoke. Surely they will reverence him. But you know what we did? Us enemies of God, we took God's son and we put him on a cross. And we nailed him to a cross, humanity did. And he came undercover. He actually came in flesh, verily God himself, but truly human, a man. And he came right down into enemy territory. The whole world lay under the power of the evil one and light came into darkness. Isaiah 9 and verse 2 is this real interesting verse. It says that they that dwell in the shadow of death, 
have seen a great light. And light, God's own son, came into the world to be born, to die, and he showed us his everlasting love, his unconditional love, coming to reconcile his enemies. In Romans chapter five and verse 10, it says, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And Jesus Christ, folks, came into the world to save you and I from our sins. You know what the message today is? God loves you. God loves you, every single one of you, unconditionally. Doesn't matter what you've done, what your past is, where you are right now. Doesn't matter what kind of issues you got going on in your life, God loves you unconditionally. And he proved his love when he sent his son. Folks, Jesus died upon the cross for our sins. And his blood was shed so we could be forgiven so we could be rescued, so we could have a clean slate before God. Whatever my past is, I can stand before God and I can say, I am clean, I am pure, my sin is gone because God sent his son to save me from my sins. Do you know that message today? Do you know him personally? You can. This would be the greatest gift of Christmas if each and every one of you could know the Lord Jesus Christ personally as your Savior. Believe on Him. Know that you have your sins forgiven and experience the personal love that God has for every one of you. Folks, this is the true meaning of Christmas. This is a faithful saying. Worthy to be accepted by all that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I invite you tonight to believe on him. I invite you tonight to personally tell him your sin and let it go. And believe on him and be born again. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior and experience the love, the everlasting, unconditional love that God has for you. Because folks, this is the true meaning of Christmas and this is the purpose that you are in this world tonight. I wish you all a Merry Christmas with your families. Thank you.